But uh, we're going to talk about loving God, loving people today. And uh, when Jody asked me to talk about this subject, um, I thought to myself, well, love, that's something, the love of God, uh, we've probably heard just a little bit, right? So what, what can I share that's new and is going to really uh, bring, be something that, that God brings and, and brings transformation in people's hearts? How many of you have heard, heard about the love of God at least a hundred times? How many of you have heard about the love of God a thousand times? How many of you heard about the love of God 10,000 times? I believe it. So, probably more. So, we, we've, we're, it's very easy to be impervious to talking about the love of God, kind of like an inoculation, right? You've heard about it a thousand times, and, and now you know it, and so it's up here. The problem is, and what, what I've discovered as a pastor is, that very rarely does it ever get down here. It stays up here, we know it in our head, but it never changes us. And so today, I, I, I'm really focusing on what the love of God does in our lives and how it affects us in a powerful way. And so I, I just really want to encourage you to be open to hearing about the love of God. Those of you that have heard it more than 100 times, which is probably everybody, right? Um, I just want to encourage you to hear. So can we pray and, and just tell God that we're open to hearing what he has to say today, even if we haven't talked with him in a long time, that we're open to that? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you right now. We invite you here to be with us. We know that you are the creator of the world. And Lord, regardless of where we're at in our situation with you, you want to come to us and meet us where we're at. And so, Lord, when you come, we commit our hearts right now to be open to experience what you have for us. We open our hearts to you. We pray, God, that your spirit would meet us in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So when Jody asked me to share on, on loving God, loving people, I didn't realize it was Valentine's Day. And so uh, I was wondering why she had that subject. It's because we're going to move into a series real soon that's on our vision and our values as a church. This is kind of going to launch it. It actually starts in a couple weeks, but it's giving us a, a feel for it. And of course, it kind of talks about Valentine's Day too a little. So um, I thought we'd talk about the disciple John a little. Because if there's anyone who's a lover, it's the disciple John. And, uh, you know, he was one of the closest relationships to Jesus. He was there at the transfiguration when, when Jesus was glorified. And God said, you listen to this guy. He's my son. Follow him. He was there at the Last Supper. He was there at the miracles. He was there at the feeding of the 5,000 and the 3,000. He was there in the lonely times. He was there in the ministry times when the healings took place. He was there at the crucifixion. He was there at the resurrection. Six times John called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. It's kind of interesting that the one that was in closest proximity to Jesus identified himself in this very unique way. At the Last Supper, it says one of them, the disciples whom Jesus loved, this is John writing, these are all John's writings, was reclining next to him. 
John was right next to Jesus. And, and he called himself the disciple Jesus left. At the crucifixion, it says when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved. He could have just said, and me, but he didn't. He said the disciple who he loved. And at the resurrection, Mary Magdalene came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. This is not out of some type of pride that he was trying to identify himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Like, I'm the one that Jesus loves. He wasn't doing that. He was with Jesus in close proximity. The closer you get to Jesus, the more loved you are. And now his entire identity is wrapped up in being the disciple that Jesus loved. Not as a point of pride or boasting, but truly his fullest identity in being the disciple that Jesus loved. I just want to encourage you, this is our inheritance. This is not just something that John should say. This is something that we should speak of ourselves each and every day. I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm Ira, the disciple that Jesus loved. What do you think? Yes? Yep. Okay. He didn't use his personal name. But that identity was so wrapped up in that love, he couldn't separate himself from it. Here's Peter. He, he wrote and preached for decades. Paul wrote and preached for decades. John wrote his writings at the very end of his life. And it's very significant to see that this was his subject matter. Love. The love of God. So this is a little preface to what we're talking about today. Understanding that, that John, being in this closest proximity, knew that the most important thing that there was, was love. All you need is love. John was completely taken by the love of God. And it showed. We were made in God's image. And we were made to be loved and to love. And that's why sometimes there's angst when it comes to love. When we think about Valentine's Day and we think about what love is happening in our life and what isn't. It's because there is a craving, there is a need, there is a passionate desire for the love that first comes from God in our souls. Do you guys agree? You can see it in the society, right? How many of you remember Dr. Wolf? Dr. Wolf? No? You guys don't want to admit it, huh? That makes you too old. <laughs> and then there's Dr. Phil, right? And, you know, we have things in our society all the time to try and deal with this love issue. We have to show The Bachelor, right? <laughs> Come on, give me a break. How many of you remember the dating game? Yeah. You're old. <laughs> the newlywed game. <laughs> the newlywed game, yeah, I think you can do that one still. 
You know, now we're very high tech. Now we have farmersonly.com. It's true. And I found a few others that I thought you'd be interested in. There's, there's tallfriends.com. Yeah, that's not for me. Then there's, uh, and this is for Matt Ranji in the booth. There's trekpassions.com. So if you're a Star Trek-y person, yet there is a dating site just for you to find your Star trek mate. Isn't that cool? And you can get beamed up and be a part of that experience. Anyway, John is an expert on love, and I think that he has some important things to say to us. So we're going to go straight to that scripture right now. This is John, 1 John uh, 4, uh, verses 7 through 18. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. That means fathered by God. We are fathered by God. Isn't that great? God knows... Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how love showed, how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him, and that he in us, because he has given us his spirit. We have seen and testified. Sorry, I didn't mean to make anybody cry. That's one of my favorite little kids, too, leaving right now. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I just want to make three clarifying points before I get to one of one of my main points. And the first is, is that love comes from God. Love comes from God. He is the originator of love. When you think about this world and you think about all the good things and all the bad things in it, and you decide, you know what, there's a bunch of bad things in this world, so there must not be a God, you have to then figure out where love came from because love comes from God. You get it? No? Okay. You guys must be in a chocolate coma. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Love comes from God. He is the definer of love. He is the very definition of love. 
Love comes from God. He's the inspiration for love. All love is inspired by him and by his actions. And we are fathered by God as an act of that love. And then, then, then it says in the scripture that God is love. Now, we're not just talking about just the activity of love. We're not just talking about, you know, I, he's loving you right now. We're talking about that every activity that God does, every activity is directed, initiated, and perpetuated by love. So when God creates, he creates out of love. This whole creation is here for that very purpose, as an act of great love for us. Isn't that amazing? When he rules, when the sun comes up, when the world turns on its axis, when you breathe your next breath, when he rules, it is an act of love. When he disciplines, and we go through difficult times, he disciplines out of love. Isn't that right? You know, it talks about faith in Hebrews, and it says that faith is believing that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. That means that he exists. He is the all-powerful, almighty creator and eternal God of this universe. He is, he exists. And what's the second part that he rewards? He is good. His goodness, all that exists in God is for the purpose of pouring out his goodness into our hearts. That is his desire. That is God's heart for us. Isn't that amazing? Come on, you guys. That's amazing, isn't it? God is so good. So God showed us love and and this this whole part is, is so profound because the way he showed us this love is in this section of our scripture. This is how God showed his love among us. This is it. If you want to know how God showed his love, then look at this. This is the defining purpose of love, the direction of love, what love looks like in its purest form. He sent his one and only son into this world so that we can live through him. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, the Bible says. And now because he sent his one and only son into this world, we can live. That's love. And then more, it says, this is love. Not that we loved God. So it wasn't that we came over to God and said, God, I hear you're pretty good, and so I'm going to initiate my love to you. No, that never happens, does it? (coughs) The Bible's pretty clear about this. It says that no one seeks God. No one does good. And so what is the case? Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He loved us first. It wasn't because we were good. It wasn't because we were nice. It wasn't because we cleaned ourselves up. It wasn't because we went to church. It wasn't because we did anything good that God said, I love you. It is completely and utterly out of God's magnanimous grace 
that he said, I reach down into your existence and I tell you that I love you with an everlasting love. And at that very moment, we are changed. That's the love of God for us. And not only that, it was an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It wasn't just a, hey, pal, I love you. It wasn't that at all. It was the cross of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, the eternal God, the co-God, co-existent God, that went on that cross and died for our sins. Amen. He took your sins and my sins, past, present, and future. And that is the definition of love. That's the definition of love. God loves us. Not that we loved God, but he reached into our lives with the most costly thing that he could do. And paid the price for us to experience that love. And then love becomes complete. This is a very significant point that I really hope that you get. Because this is the key of loving God, loving people. The first is that God loves us. It's what I just spoke about. This incredible love that, that crashes into our existence. We didn't even know it was around. It could be a loud crash or it could be a quiet crash, depending on who you are. It doesn't have to be dramatic. Eric Van Rie, let's just face it, is dramatic, right? <laughs> Slightly. I'm a little dramatic too. But Cynthia, my wife, she's much more calm. The love of God expresses itself so differently to her than it does to me. So it doesn't make a difference what the love of God, how it expresses itself. The important thing is that it does. God expresses himself in love. And, and so love becomes complete. This is mentioned three times in this little section alone of scripture. God's love is powerful love and it demands completion. This word, telio, telio, it means to complete Love has to complete itself. It has to fulfill its purpose. It has a purpose that it needs fulfilling. Can you see that this is not some passive emotional experience that's being talked about here? Love must be complete. It must finish its work. It must make perfect what it's planning to do. It must bring to completion. It must accomplish what it came to do and consummate its purpose. This is love. Does this look active to you or passive? Active. Love must be complete. It must accomplish its purpose. First, God floods our souls with his love. And then something very amazing happens. And it doesn't happen on our own. We cannot do it. It can never happen by itself. It must happen. It must be energized. It must come alive because of the love of God that fills us. But these three things happen. The first is, 
in verse 16. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete in us. We love God back. It is almost impossible. It is irresistible when the love of God fills you for you not to have a response. No matter how loud or quiet that love is, it is almost impossible. You'd have to work very hard. You'd have to force it, and even that would be a response, right? Because I'm feeling a little embarrassed right now, so I'm not going to respond. And we're not talking about external responses. We're talking about the heart. It is impossible. It is irresistible. The love of God is an irresistible, powerful force that touches our souls. And we love God. The next is, verse 12, no one has ever seen God. Oh, thank you. Can you tell my voice isn't love God? Love is made complete in us. Now we love others. We love others. This is the complete nature of the love of God. It is a driving force. When God's love fills us, it must be completed. First, it causes us to love God back. And then we are called to love others as well. Another part. says there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love this is the same root word this love is unbreakable you know how easy it is to love someone else when you know that you never have to fear fear is the great hindrance to love is it not? The fear of rejection is the great hindrance of love. But we never have to fear because this amazing, powerful love of God fills our souls. We respond to it and then it flows out from us in loving others. And we never have to fear. Are we going to be rejected? Yes. Right? We are going to get our toes stepped on. Someone, someone once said to me, hurting people hurt people. So when you, what, who's God going to send to you, to you to love? Probably a hurting person, right? So you might get hurt. In my life, I have walked, I have walked knowingly into situations where I thought to myself, I will be hurt. But God is saying, walk in and love. You ever do that? It's crazy. The only person who would do that is someone who's responded to the love of God and has no need to fear, no need to fear. Amen? There is a completion of love. It is a powerful force that drove God to create. It drove God to the cross and it has been driving 
history for thousands of years, the love of God. It must be complete. And it speaks to us in John's writings. John speaks about it. He knows about love. He was so close to Jesus and he experienced that love. And he said, now that you see the love of God in the atoning sacrifice of God, allow that love of God to be complete. Love God, love people. Amen? This is a force that is not static. It must come to completion. It is not an emotional response. It is a powerful response, a spiritual response. The same word, root of the same word, is used at the cross by Jesus when he says, it is finished. It is finished. This is the love of God. Complete that love. It will be completed. You might resist with all your might. The love of God is irresistible. When you experience, it's one thing if you hear. Hearing the love of God is not the same thing. We're talking about experiencing the love of God. When you experience the love of God, you can work pretty hard to stay away from it. You're looking at someone who for three or four years worked very hard to stay away from the love of God. When I came to faith in Christ, I had a radical encounter with the love of God. I thought daily I would explode with the love of Jesus Christ. It was something that shook me physically to the core on a daily basis. And yet, I pushed it away for several years. But guess what? The love of God is irresistible. It is irresistible. And it is speaking to some of you today. Maybe you are holding God at arm's length today. Know that the love of God is irresistible. I encourage you to just succumb to his love because it is the best thing you you can do. Resistance is futile. (laughs) It is the most wonderful thing in the whole universe. There is nothing better. We were designed to experience this. Designed for it. So now, let's look at Jesus' affirmation because Jesus affirmed this as well. We see this pattern in Jesus' teaching. He says to the Pharisees, or the Pharisees asking Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus says, Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says something that's very important for us to know, because he says, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you want to know what everything is all about, Jesus is telling you right here. As a Jew, you should know, you're not Jews, I'm a Jew. Anybody else a Jew? Oh, good. I like it when it's like that. Anyway, 
There are 613 laws in the Old Testament. That's when you don't want to be a Jew. Right? 613 laws. Jesus is saying every single one of those laws and all that the prophets say hang on love God, love people. That's it. That's all that it's about. Love has always been what God desires. Always. All the commands of God hang on that. They rise and fall on love. You know, when Kenny was using that scripture, quoting that scripture, to obey is better than sacrifice, the literal heart of that, it's very important to know this, because that scripture out of context could sound like God is saying, you better obey me. But that is not the context of that scripture. The context of that scripture is to love is better than sacrifice. He was saying, don't offer the sacrifices. Love me with all your heart. I'm not making this up. That is the context of the scripture. That's what he's saying. Are you there? What is loving God really? What does it look like? Well, there's an example from, matter of fact, that took place in this, in this section where the scripture about to obey is better than sacrifices talked about. Uh, it's an illustration from Israel's history. Israel didn't have a king. Israel had God. And God was leading them. God did a pretty good job of it, don't you think? But then Israel looked around and he thought, and they thought, hmm, look at all these other nations. I really like this king thing. This is cool to have a king. I mean, who, who would want politics? I have no idea. But Israel was jealous and they, they wanted a king. And so they told Samuel the prophet. Samuel the prophet complained to God. And God said, what are you complaining about? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. That is words that are relational words. That are not, those are not political words. Those are not power words. That is the heart of God. Can you see that? And then the first king, when he sacrificed wrong and he did not do it out of love from the heart and he did it out of arrogance and he just sacrificed Then God said, I need a king who is a man after my own heart. That's what loving God is. This is God's greatest desire. I don't know how it got so messed up, you guys. I really don't. How did Christianity became a rule of law when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and we now think we have to follow a whole bunch of stinking rules. That is so far from the heart of God. I just, I just wonder, how, how do we get there? Well, let's not wonder that. Let's get back to it, right? Let's get back 
to loving God. Let's get back to realizing that loving God is what it's all about. It's not about following rules. It's not about meeting expectations. It's not about putting on a smiley face to church and, and checking off the boxes of all the things you're supposed to do. It's about being in a love relationship with the lover of your soul. A good example of this is, is Paul. You know, he had, a, he had a great life. Before he was Paul, he had a great life. He had a much better life when he was Paul. But in the world, as Saul, he looked pretty cool. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He, he was circumcised on the eighth day. He had a high position. He was well respected. He had power, privilege, and money. He was the top of the heap. And all the Jews were excited that he was going against Christians and he was killing them. He was the most popular guy in the kingdom at that point. Well, maybe not, but he, he was very popular. And this is what he says. This is what he says. After he encounters Christ and gets knocked off his vehicle in the desert. And Jesus speaks to him and says, why are you persecuting me? I am Jesus. He is radically changed by the love of God. And you can see, it's the love of God. It's not some rule, it's not some regulation. It's not some new assignment. He is transformed. He is slain by the love of God. And this is what he says. That's not what he says. This is what he says. <laughs> but whatever was to my profit, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. Everything that was good in my life, I consider as lost for the sake of Christ. Everything. He, he lost everything. All his power, all his privilege, all his finances. He, and what happened? He was beaten. He was rejected by the Jews at that point. He lost it all for one thing. The love of Jesus Christ. There was nothing more wonderful, nothing more satisfying, nothing more beautiful than the love of God. What's more, he said, I consider everything a loss. We should consider sin a loss, of course. But he is saying everything, nothing, nothing compares to the love of God. <clears throat> what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. This is someone with an appropriate response to the love of God. This is love becoming completed in a person. This is what it looks like. Now, do I say that I've got this all covered? No, I don't. Every day, I count something lost in my life for the sake of Christ. Every day, something comes up. Ooh, I really want that, that Apple Watch. Jesus, Apple Watch. Jesus, and well, that's, an easy one, right? Do you know what the staff gave me for, for my birthday last year? 
They gave me a, Mac a real Macintosh Apple with a watch band on it. Because the Apple Watch came out right around my birthday and I kept hinting I wanted one. <laughs> Every day I'm choosing. That was an easy choice, right? But we make hard choices. We make hard choices. I struggle over my children sometimes. And God says, just count it loss. That doesn't mean I throw them out. It means I put Jesus first. Do you guys get that? God told me I needed to be like Abraham. And I needed to trust him with God. With my kids. Can you guys relate? How we need to do that. My kids are happier now too. <laughs> <laughs> Loving God is truly an appropriate response to radical love. Someone once told me, you truly love what you delight in the most. What do you delight in the most? And I tell you that if you're not being challenged every day to put God first, then you're probably not in the game. And I want to encourage you to get in the game because it is so important to put God first. Love God, love people. John Piper said this. He's, my, he's one of my mentors. Do you guys know who John Piper is? I never met him, but you can have a mentor that's long distance like that too. He's on podcasts. He's very good. And he said, we were created to know, admire, enjoy, and love the greatest greatness in the universe. That's why we were created. Have you ever thought of it like that? It's true. And that is why love has this pressing need in our souls. It must be completed. It must be completed. We must love God and love people. What is loving God or people really? What is loving people really? that where we're at? Good. This is a, a little before in, 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 uh, in John's writing, 1 John. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. This is how we know what the love of God is. Jesus laid down his life for us. This is the defining direction. If you want to know what love is, this is what you look at. There's a lot of definitions of love. Many of you know, I love bagels. Right? We already have a plan to pick up bagels tomorrow, me and my daughter. We're going to get the bagels, the good bagels. If you need to know where they're at, I'll tell you later. <laughs> the Bagel Project downtown. <laughs> I love bagels. I love my wife. Her birthday was this week. My favorite wife. I don't have more than one. I love my kids. We're going to move on, folks. <laughs> I love my kids. 
I love my iPhone even, you know? There's all different types of love. But there is only one true defining principle that is love, and that is Jesus Christ on Amen. the cross. Yes. And we are called to now, as Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, we are called to lay down our lives for others. How can we do that? Because there is no fear. There is no fear. We're going to be in the presence of God forever. That love is not going to end. Romans 8 is real, folks. We will never be separated from the love of God. Period. And so we do not have to fear rejection when it comes. Hurt when it comes. We do not have to fear. We can love. How do we do that? We lay down our lives for others. We prefer others. Putting someone else first. You can do that when you don't fear. You could do that when the love, the greatest greatness gives you is touching your heart and your soul and changing you. You could prefer others. You could decide to eat vegan instead of a T-bone steak. Which is what I have to do when my daughter comes home from school. (laughs) You can forgive. You can forgive. Now forgiving is a difficult thing, isn't it? Forgiveness, we should look at it. Is Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins? Is forgiveness. He bore our sins on the cross. And what is our responsibility in forgiving someone? Bearing their sins in our bodies. Have you ever been sinned against? Probably a few times. To forgive means you're bearing those sins. That you are saying, I forgive. Instead of, I take revenge or I hold on to anger. Can you do that? You can. Because you have no fear. You are loved with a love that is complete, a love that is powerful, a love that must have its way in your soul and through your soul into other lives. If you ever had trouble loving, let me tell you where it starts. It starts with experiencing the lover of your soul first. Chris, you can come on up. Loving God, loving people could be the rule. It could be, you better love God and you better love people. You better. And that's a lot of what we see in religion. But love that's complete is I must love God. I have to love you. I must love you. It is a joy. It comes from the irresistible, powerful love of God in our souls. My sense is that there are some here today 
that need that love for the first time. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And he was an atoning sacrifice. That means he paid to reconcile your relationship with God. And you can have that reconciliation. We're going to address you in a minute. But God might be speaking to you right now and saying, I want to give you that love. My sense is also that there are several people here that have heard of the love of God and maybe have tasted of the love of God. But it has grown a little cold. And God wants to freshen it with his spirit today. He wants to touch your soul. Whether it's in a big way or a little way, he wants to tell you today how much he adores you. How much he adores you. He adores you. This is what he did. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you and we ask that your spirit would speak to us. And first, we just, just bring to you those that are know of the love of God in their heads maybe, but they haven't experienced much of it in their souls. And that is the furthest distance from your head to your heart. We pray, God, that right now you would freshen their souls with the love of God. If that's you today, I just, while people are praying and their eyes are closed, could you just raise your hand and say, I need a fresh filling of the love of God. Is that you? Raise your hands. Hallelujah. Lord, we just ask right now that you would fill people with your love right now. Thank you, God, that your love demands completion. Your love touches our soul and it doesn't just stay there. It doesn't just bounce off. It must have its way. And so we just ask, God, that your love would be complete those that need it today. And Lord, we just ask right now that you would bring some to salvation today. Those that don't know you or maybe have walked away from you and they want to return. Lord, they've turned their backs like I have and struggled in your love or they've never experienced it. We just want to give opportunity for you to just say yes to God today. And is that is that you? Just raise your hand if that's you. You just want to give your heart to God today. Anyone here? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just pray right now for those that are saying yes to you maybe for the first time or they're returning to you, returning to that wonderful love. Lord, we ask God that you would fill them with your spirit, forgive their sins, bring them into a relationship with you, a relationship that 
is about this love that is complete. Changes us, transforms us, heals us. some here today that are that are walking in depression and God God wants to especially just speak to you right now know that he is with you right there you think that you are alone but know that his love is piercing through that aloneness he is there he knows you by name you are his he will not let you go. You are not alone. You are treasured by him. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Amen. I just want to encourage you, you know, the, when, when God's love touches you, you don't want to run away from it yet. You don't want to just run out of his presence. And I want to encourage you to come forward and spend some time in prayer with the Lord if God's doing the work in your heart. If, if you're one of those people that God was speaking to, we want to pray with you and we have people up here to pray. So please come forward and pray. And don't eat too much chocolate today. God bless you. Have a great day.